Welcome back to Squatch Ranger Files, episode 45. I'm glad to be back on here, guys. It's been a rough couple of weeks here in Oklahoma. We had some ice last week, and here in Oklahoma, we're not too great driving on the ice, like some of you northern states. And then this week, we've had a couple of different snowstorms roll in. We've had temperatures well below what we're used to. We've even gotten to the negative range, which is not unheard of in Oklahoma, but uh, very, very rare for us. So uh, it's been a cold couple of weeks, but I've survived. My family's doing well. I think we're going to be all right. We're on the other side of this now. So anyway, it's good to be back. Uh, Once again, announcements. I just want to continue to show appreciation to the Anchor platform. We are so excited to be here on Anchor. Anchor helps the show reach Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. We hope to grow our audience and are able to continue to bring you the latest Bigfoot reports from around the country. So, you know, thank you for listening. Whatever platform you're on, we're happy that you're a part of Squatch Ranger Files. All right, I want to move on. And this week, on this episode... I'm going to start off by giving you my Finding Bigfoot, The Search Continues review. My review that these are, you know, my opinions, stuff that I noticed, stuff that I thought was kind of funny about the show, stuff that I thought was good about the show, just different things, you know, my quick little review. First off, I'll I'll start off by saying I thought the episode was entertaining. I was entertained. I enjoyed the show. I've gotten some gotten some comments through social media that uh, last episode I talked about finding Bigfoot 
and I talked about, you know, finding Bigfoot versus Expedition Bigfoot, and got some got a comment from an individual that I could tell through their tone of their message. They were not happy that, you know, I was talking about finding Bigfoot, I guess. I, I guess uh, showing some positivity towards finding Bigfoot or Expedition Bigfoot or just talking about them. They were not happy with that. And they used some foul language, which I'm not going to accept foul language on my message boards and in the comment sections of my different social media. So I went ahead and removed the comment, but, uh, you know, if you don't like finding Bigfoot, that's fine. You know, it's a free country. You can have your opinion. But I'm going to talk about it because the topic is Bigfoot. And so we need to talk about the different ways that we're hearing about Bigfoot and getting information about Bigfoot. And so, yes, it's on a mainstream media platform where we all see and, and maybe uh, certain, certain people and certain groups... They don't always like mainstream versus, you know, the real hardcore people who are behind the scenes, researchers, you know, not in the spotlight. And I get that, but I'm still going to talk about it. So, let's get into my review for Finding Bigfoot, The Search Continues. First off, there's some confusion. I've been reading on some different Facebook groups, Bigfoot groups. Uh, people are asking, hey, I, I tuned in. Where was Finding Bigfoot this week? I thought there was a whole new season. There's some confusion out there. Finding Bigfoot, it was just one episode, one episode only of, the, of this new material. So don't keep tuning in every week thinking that there's going to be a new Finding Bigfoot episode. It was just that one. It was a two-hour special. And what I did was I went ahead and got this seven-day free trial on the Discovery Plus app. I watched the episode, and then uh, before the seven days was up, I went ahead and discontinued my Discovery Plus membership, and so I wasn't charged, so I got to watch the episode for free. So I recommend if you haven't watched the episode yet, do that. Get the Discovery Plus app, do the seven-day trial, watch the one episode, it's not a full season, then discontinue your membership, you won't be charged, and then you got to watch the episode. And I'm going to try not to spoil anything or do any spoilers here in my review, but but I apologize if I just totally ruined something for you. Okay, so, the first thing about the episode was I thought they had some funny technology references going on. It's been three years since they did Finding Bigfoot, since they were on air doing Finding Bigfoot. And so, in the ep this new episode, they're making these references like, you know, smartphones are now available with cameras, and there's home security cameras, etc. You know, all these, all these different cameras that they were kind of acting like we didn't have these cameras around three years ago when they went off air, which we did. But the point they were trying to make was we're getting more and more Bigfoot clips and more and more footage of maybe Bigfoot here and there. Because of because of cameras on iPhones and, and security cameras. And it's a good point, but it's silly because we've had those since they've been on air doing those other seasons of Finding Bigfoot. They've been around, so, I mean, it's not something totally new, but they're kind of leaning towards that, uh, leaning towards that way in the episode. They're just kind of funny how it was phrased and worded to me, so I thought that was funny about the technology references like smartphone cameras iPhone cameras, whatever phone you have, Android cameras, haven't been around three years ago, which they were. 
All right. Uh, another thing I thought was kind of funny was some new vocabulary they were using. And this isn't a new word, but it just seemed like, I don't know if a producer told them to throw this word in there. I'm not sure. I think it was Cliff. Cliff and Bobo. I don't know. It just seemed like they were forcing this one word in kind of a five-minute segment, kind of like overusing the word almost. I, when I first watched it, that's kind of what I thought. I don't know. Um, maybe you can watch the episode and write in and let me know. But the word was dermatoglyphics. In all the other previous seasons of Finding Bigfoot, I never heard them use this term, dermatoglyphics. I may be wrong. Somebody can comment and tell me, if, you know, what season, what episode they heard that word. I've never heard the team use dermatoglyphics. And it just seemed like in a five-minute time span, they were really trying to crunch that word in there. At one point, it was really funny. Matt Moneymaker tried to say the word dermatoglyphics, and he was kind of stumbling through the word, and Cliff quickly jumps in and corrects him and tells him how to pronounce it correctly, and that was kind of a funny little part, I thought. You have to really be listening to catch it. But uh, I just thought it was funny and really over-forced using dermatoglyphics. Uh, if you don't know what dermatoglyphics is, it's the study of skin markings or patterns on fingers, hands, and feet, and its application, especially in criminology. I just thought that was really funny how they were overusing the term dermatoglyphics in a five-minute period. Uh, I, this goes back to Jimmy Chilcutt for me. When I first got into Bigfoot and getting interested in it, I was watching a documentary, this guy named Jimmy Chilcutt, an FBI fingerprint you know, expert, is on the Bigfoot documentary, and he talks about dermal ridges. I never heard him use the term dermatoglyphics, but he, he used dermal ridges, so that's kind of what I'm used to hearing, but um, it just, I don't know. I don't know if they were just trying to sound really smart using that word. I don't know why they were just all of a sudden using it. It's not that it's a hard word to understand or anything, um, and there's nothing wrong with the word. It's been around. It's just, it's it almost, my first impression was they just learned this word over the last three years, and so they're really trying to use it in this episode. I don't know. You can write in whatever you want to me about that. I just thought it was kind of funny. Maybe uh, maybe I misinterpreted what happened there, but uh, I just thought it was kind of funny. Another thing was their night investigations. I really enjoyed. They were using a blue light. Previously, they've been using green lights on their night investigations. I thought the blue light gave it more of a modern look, and I, I just I, I enjoyed the blue light. Uh, on their night investigations. I like the green light. I have green lights that I use when I'm filming for, uh, on night investigations, but I like the blue light. It was a different look for the show, and I, I enjoyed it. So I'm giving it up to them. Okay, another thing was, for the first half of the show, there was no Renee. Sorry for the spoiler. Um, so yeah, she was not there the first half of the show, and to be honest, I didn't miss her. I didn't miss Renee. I was thinking to myself, you know what? I kind of like Renee not being here. And it's not that I don't like Renee, because I do think she brings some balance to the group with her, you know, skepticism and being the skeptic on the team. I think she does balance it out, and I think that that is a good thing. But I kind of enjoyed her not being there. Um, they, they actually, for the first, one of the first night investigations, they used a different female a female, a part of the BFRO Ohio chapter, and her name was B. Mills, and she kind of helped interview a witness with the team, and then they did a night investigation, and I just kind of 
enjoyed a different dynamic with a different female. But uh, Renee, she does appear on the second half of the episode. And she did spark an idea for a new YouTube video on my YouTube channel, Squatch Ranger. And the video is called Bigfoot Costume ID. And so I would invite you to go check that out on my YouTube channel. Please go check it out and uh, write into me, comment. But uh, this video, it shows eyewitnesses. The, the whole point of this is to show a Bigfoot eyewitness a lineup. A, a lineup of the most popular Bigfoot costumes on the market. And see if those costumes match the creature they saw in their own encounter or their own report. I think that's an interesting idea, guys. So, yeah, on the video it shows you I actually put a lineup together of eight, I think it's eight different Bigfoot costumes that are on the market. I think they're the most popular ones. I think they range from 60 to $100. And I put them in a lineup, a photo spread. And so the point is, when you're an investigator and you're out there asking questions and interviewing a Bigfoot eyewitness, you can say, okay, guys, I just want to rule out a person in a costume. I want to rule out a hoaxer, some guy just dressing up in a costume. And so you give them this picture, this photo spread, this lineup of the different Bigfoot costumes out there on the market, and just say, okay, did what you see look anything like these? And then they can come back and they can say, no, it, uh, what I saw did not look anything like these costumes. I, I mean, you can just tell these are costumes. This thing looks so real to me. Or, or they might come back and say, yes, it looks like number seven. Yes, that's what I saw. And then we can definitely right there be like, okay, yeah, this, what you saw was probably not a real Bigfoot. Um, if you think it looks exactly like that, that's a popular Bigfoot costume on the market. And I'm sorry to say, I think you got hoaxed. So, you know, I think this could actually be a helpful thing. It might sound silly. It kind of does sound silly to, you know, show up and eyewitness some costumes. But if we're, if, if that's, you know, what Renee and skeptics are coming at us with, like, well, I just can't rule this out. Well, hey, look, look what I did, Renee. I, I interviewed 10 witnesses in the last month and I showed this lineup to all 10 witness, eyewitnesses. And every single one of them said, oh my gosh, what I saw didn't look anything like these. And so that can kind of help us narrow down that it wasn't a costume. Not completely, because there's still other costumes out there that I didn't cover in the video. Um, there's probably more expensive ones, could be homemade. I didn't show a ghillie suit, you know, so... But it can help narrow it down. And then also, if they just say, yeah, it looked like number seven then yes, it actually helped us tell us that it was, in fact, a Bigfoot costume. So, please check out the video. Let me know what you think. That brings me into the next little segment here. Listener comments from previous episodes. So, I'm going to read a quick comment that was already on YouTube. A YouTuber wrote in about the Bigfoot suit ID video. And so, I, I thought this was a cool response. This comes from Charles S., and he writes, interesting idea. I was a law enforcement officer in Oklahoma many years ago. I've used picture lineups in many cases to help eliminate suspects. So I thought that was really neat that an actual person with a law enforcement background wrote in, gave a quick little comment, and that kind of gives us a perspective. Yeah, guys, law enforcement, 
investigators are using this tactic. That's where I, that's where I borrowed it from. Uh, they use this to eliminate their suspects in their ongoing cases. So, if we have an ongoing Bigfoot encounter or an ongoing series of sightings on a property or whatever the case is, we have a Bigfoot eyewitness report, let's, let's use a lineup and eliminate these costumes because that's what the skeptics are coming at us with. So, you know, like I said, please write into the show. You can write into me on any platform. I'd love to hear what you think about this Bigfoot costume ID video. All right, and also, let's uh, invite our guests to write in, share your own encounter story. Please email squatchranger at gmail.com. If you've seen a Bigfoot, if you've heard something out in the wild that you thought was a Bigfoot you couldn't explain, please write into the show. We take eyewitness encounters from all over the country and all over the world. In fact, uh, we're going to share a Bigfoot encounter story on this episode right now from England. So keep listening for that. All right, guys, let's get into the reports. Thank you for being here, and here are the Bigfoot reports. Number one, Bigfoot on the Washed Out Bridge, 1972, Creek County, Oklahoma. High schoolers Ted Brinsky and Gwen Fillion were canoeing down the Cimarron River late in the afternoon after a leisurely day of paddling, the pair allow the river's current to carry them along. Gwen offers Ted one of her mother's famous homemade chocolate chip cookies. As Ted reaches to take it from her hand, she drops the cookie into the canoe and a horrible expression creeps across her face. Look to me like one of those cartoon characters who see a ghost. Their face twists upright before all the hair on their head shoots up like bolts of lightning, Ted laughed as he described Gwen's expression. I wish I had a camera with me. That was a priceless face. Ted can laugh all he wants because after he saw what I was pointing at, he nearly jumped out of the boat, Gwen said sternly. Canoe, Ted corrected. What Gwen was pointing at was a horrible monster, standing on the ruined pylon of a washed-out bridge. The monster was naked, except for a peach fuzz fur covering its entire body. He had massive hands and feet, with big, bulbous toes and fingertips, red and yellow eyes that seemed to be crying big silver tears while squinting in pure meanness and huge flapping ears that looked like bruised fruit. The Bigfoot was urinating off the side of the pylon. Ted and Gwen frantically paddled in the opposite direction once the creature turned toward them. He seemed to be aiming directly at their canoe. Follow-up Investigators Report This article was published on the website BigfootHistory.wordpress.com This website claims to acquire a great number of Bigfoot reports through many years of research from its authors. Today in Bigfoot History is researched and written by John Zaris and Renee Farben. A few readers from the website have requested the sources in which the authors used 
four specific Bigfoot encounter stories they have released. The authors replied that the documents from their encounter stories will be found in their upcoming book to be released. These requests for the sources were made in 2013. Now, in 2021, I have searched their website and cannot find any links or advertisements for any published books on the subject of Bigfoot encounters. True or not, this Bigfoot story took place along a river in northeast Oklahoma, near Oilton. There's not very many details in this story, such as the direction the couple was headed down the Cimarron River, which side of town they were on, where the old bridge was located, or the name of the bridge. We do, in fact, have the witnesses' first and last names. Through a quick search on an internet web browser, I could not find any info on the eyewitnesses' names mentioned in the article. The only hit I could get was this particular article on BigfootHistory.wordpress.com. Therefore, I cannot confirm this report. Even though this report cannot be confirmed, I still believe that Bigfoot travel along the river systems in Oklahoma, especially western Oklahoma. They probably use the rivers to get to eastern Oklahoma and Arkansas. I also think Bigfoot use closed down highway and train bridges to cross rivers at certain points. These old train bridges could assist the Bigfoot to cross a river without being detected since the bridges are no longer in use for the public. As far as the Bigfoot urinating in the direction of the witness in this story, this would almost be a gift to present-day Bigfoot researchers because of current-day DNA collection. Scientists are able to collect eDNA, or environmental DNA. eDNA is DNA that is collected from a variety of environmental samples such as soil, seawater, snow, or even air rather than directly sampled from an individual organism. As various organisms interact with the environment, DNA is expelled and accumulates in their surroundings. Example sources of eDNA include, but are not limited to, feces, mucus, shed skin, carcasses, and hair. Number two, man sees hairy form near barbed wire fence, 2021, Staffordshire, North Midlands, England. Class A, daytime sighting. Finally, I had a sighting of the hairy man at 9.51 a.m., February 2nd, 2021. I have been posting images of findings at my current local woodland haunt over the last month or so, and yesterday I finally had a sighting of the creature hominid behind the tree structures and footprints. I intended to explore another area of the large woodland I am getting to know. Most of the findings, tree structures, etc., have largely been in one small area. I was to try other areas, but my plans were quickly put on hold. I drove down the quiet country lane to park in my usual lay-by noticing lots of pheasants in the adjacent field. I exited the car and was putting my boots on near the boot of the car. Something made me look up, and on doing so I saw a large hairy creature in a standing position 
turn, and enter the small area of woodland it was standing in front of. I grabbed my camera, and having taken a few photographs of the visible tree line to the area of woodland, diagonally opposite the woods where I have been photographing wood structures in the past. No sign of the hairy form, presumed to have gone to ground. The small wood is only two acres or so in area. Tall, mature oaks, beech and chestnut with a dense understory of holly trees. So dense that it proved difficult to enter the wood other than in one to two areas. Woodland floor, damp and springy, with shed leaves and areas of humus exposed. Two sets of tracks were found, eight feet apart, moving parallel with each other. Visible tracks were eight inches long and 12 to 13 inches long respectively, indicating two creatures of different sizes. Several footprints from each track stopped at an area with churned up leaves slash debris. I discovered another tangle of branches or twigs, suspended again about four foot off the woodland floor, much like the structure found several weeks ago. Attempts to get a response from grunting, noises I've heard several times in Derbyshire were fruitless, likewise with a wood knock. Whistling got a slight response, two short, sharp wood break noises, just caught on video, 20 to 21 seconds in, at a distance. The creature was very human-like in form, head, broad, barrel-like chest, and long arms reaching to knees. The extremities of legs were not visible due to the position of the form. He or she was at the tree line, in front of which was a barbed wire fence and the edge of the arable field where a farmer had deposited piles of old silage and animal waste. The silage slash waste had attracted pheasants, wood pigeons, magpies, and crows. The creature was stood, presumably watching the potential food sources. Presumably, he saw me pulling up in the car and decided to leave the area. He or she, from a standing position, turned to their right and walked in an arc, returning to the dense area of holly trees. There was no head bobbing. The arms hung low and swung with each step. He or she cleared an area marked A to B on attached photo in about four seconds. Smooth gait, large head, facial features not seen due to distance, no discernible neck, broad barrel chested body, covered head to foot and shaggy hair. The color was mid-brown, mousy with patches of paler hair, beige and honey blonde, about head, shoulders, and upper torso. The pale color was significant for had he, she, been of a dark brown or black, I fear I may never have noticed it. The chest body was slightly slumped forward on moving. Height estimate. From the known fence posts in front of it was between six and seven feet. But again, the body was slightly slumped forwards on moving. I feel honored that this creature had let its guard down and allowed me to spot he or she, albeit briefly. Range was about 300 meters. I included photos and an illustration of the hairy man I saw. I intend to be back to the wood as soon as I possibly can. Follow up, NOBRO investigators report. I spoke with the witness via the internet. 
and he included the following additional details. Review of the local patch. No further sighting. Managed to enter the holly thickets. Opened up in the center in parts. Managed to get the exact trees slash area where the hairy man was stood and walked away from. Found an obvious trail suggesting regular use of the lookout and trail for assessing farmer's field for game, birds, etc. Followed the trail to an area of sand under a collection of ewes. I'm about 200 pounds and 6 foot 2 and when standing on sandy soil, my heel sank alone. I found three prints, flat-footed, deeper heel imprints leading from the trail. Possible trail or trackway from four days ago of the hairy man? Again, near no free soil or sandy areas to take a good print. Have seen several 8-inch and 12 to 13 inch prints again today. Fresh looking. Took my stepdaughter, who has an interest in cryptozoology. Showed her some of the tree structures found previously and discovered two new ones. A tree break anchoring an arched tree and a very obvious X structure. Very new X structure, birch saplings, a good 12 to 15 inches long moved to position between two standing pine trees. Reloaded the gifting tree with apples to monitor response. 